2: hey what's going on you are listening to a little bit watching too actually yeah uh, talk about gay sex i'm here at decadence in new york city um plug out to them and our good friend cat who runs this establishment um we'll tell you more about that but i'm here with the one and only master joshua he's been on the
3: show several times as well as our live show welcome master joshua thank you very much i'm always uh, happy to be back with you guys you guys are phenomenal. And the exposure that you not only have given me, but everyone with the information that they have to contribute to the podcast is big. So thank you for what you guys do and giving back.
2: Absolutely. And we're going to pick your brains a lot in this next uh, segment. But for people that don't know that are new to the show, um, explain to you to people um, what you do as a BDSM I said specialist earlier or professional, <laughs> professional but go professional. ahead and explain to people you know
3: it's funny because Kat and I have been talking about this like what is it that I do who am I what do I offer what do I yeah, do who are you and <laughs> it's what it boils down to is I help people find themselves and be comfortable with it within their own skins in their not only sexual identity but their identity as a whole when it comes to uh, their characteristics their integrity their, their self reflection how much Uh, transparency do they have with themselves how much do they hide behind those masks that society puts on us so i help people remove those masks and be one with themselves because before we can change anything else if we can not change but if we can open all of our doors to our beings before we step out to engaging on larger larger projects or goals you know if we have a better understanding of ourselves we can attack these goals more directly a bit more head-on and secure and in the decisions we make because we have that clarity of ourselves so it's evolved since we first met from what I do to where I'm at now it it's a lot more than just a a sexual gratification or a sexual journey this is a, a journey on life so I help people get in touch with that part of themselves
2: I can definitely attest to it um, we've done the fire play in the past uh, fire play um, I could probably show you a clip of a clip of it it's on our YouTube channel but you work with actual fire retardants and the experience, I could go more into that, but the experience that I had you know, definitely was uh, sensual and drawing up a lot of um, different sparks, literal sparks in me, but it was the after effects that were really, to speak what you're talking about, that was the most effective, I think. Uh, the emotional connection that I had, not only with you, but kind of digging deeper within my own. I think you had to kind of take, it took a minute to come out of the experience and I can see what you're talking about from that whole standpoint. Um, But I wanted to talk a little bit about your background um, because I was looking a little bit, scrolling around on your website and I didn't realize that your background was originally as a former Marines and as um, in the Uh, law enforcement can you talk a little bit about that and if that helped lead you into BDSM
3: absolutely so working for the government put me into uh, an environment that was very structured but my father was also in the Marines so growing up under under him not it wasn't like it was a bad thing he wasn't like a a tyrant but they they were fair but firm and they were very open and honest with the way they communicated with me which left uh, left it built me the person that I am. So going into the military and going into law enforcement after, the structure and the rigidity behind it with the uh, with the rules and the integrity and all that stuff, it was something that I've already experienced growing up uh, with my father. Uh, I enjoy the structure. I enjoy the respect that comes with it and the responsibility that comes with it with knowing who you are and what you're supposed to do, but also maintaining and caring for the people that are under your control or under your... Uh, your supervision. So the military and and working in government as a whole, it taught me a lot about leadership and showing me what I enjoy about leadership and what I don't enjoy about leadership and what I like about it uh, within the, the hierarchy of it and what I don't like about it. So when I transitioned over into the leather community, the leather lifestyle, this foundation was really instilled in me but and I was also able to pick things that I enjoyed, that I learned over time, on what works for my environment and what doesn't work.
2: Nice, nice. And one of the things that I notice um, is discipline. When you talk about, um, I'm sure, law enforcement or Marines. I'm a former gymnast and, you know, there was just so much discipline. Um, there was another guy on our show, Finn Deerheart, who works, I took his workshop and works with, kind of helping us also to kind of come out of our shell through various workshop um, intimate, intimate practices. Um, do you think that when you have that base background of discipline that that helps pave the way for,
3: you know, ex- exploration of all of the work we're talking about? 100%. D- uh, discipline is, is huge. I mean, l- having to unlearn uh, the mind frame of I have to do what's right for me all the time, and it's me, 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 me. When it comes to this lifestyle and this culture, it's not about doing what's right for me, but it's about doing what's right, period. And sometimes what's not right for you at that moment is the right thing to do. And learning to, to take that mindfulness and apply it into the relationships and the community that you're a part of, maintaining that discipline for doing what's right and not what's right for you is something that you have to learn if you want to be able to grow and get that insight, insightfulness of yourself and of the people you're in these relationships with. Discipline is very, is very important. I agree, I agree. We're gonna get
2: into a little bit later, we're gonna actually film a whole uh, segment scene here. You can see the cross behind us. Um, <laughs> and we're definitely gonna uh, explore that. Um, and I wanted to also talk about a couple of things, polyamory. I wanted to pick your brain on and then kind of lead into what are um, scene. Um, but can we talk a little bit about um, breaking down some of those walls? I mean, I know one of the things you and I were talking about um, offline and I saw on your social media about talking about breaking boundaries and exploring is you've explored with, um, you don't want to say the word drag, but dressing up as a woman and People that know Master Joshua know him yeah. to be sort of like master, in control. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because when I was looking on your Instagram, I think you do a uh, time, time delay of you getting ready. And I know you in this one way. And, and uh, so many of us think of you sort of as this kind of authority kind of master and all the things that come up. What was that experience like? How did you, how did you commit to doing that? So with the,
3: and I'm going to refer to the, the I'm going to bring up drag for a reason. Uh, when it comes to what I have, have uh, this steered towards uh, feminine expression because it was something that I've always desired to do is to express myself, to feel what that feminine energy is in us. Cause we all have something, right? We all feel something. And some of us, expre- we all express it in different ways. But for me to wear it, to put it on, and to, to express myself visually, and to feel it on me was important for me. I There's a, a drag queen who I love by the name of Shirley Ugest, Shirley is like, Shirley I love you, uh, who we've been friends for a number of years now, and Shirley was someone I was chatting with about about this process. And I asked them, uh, what is it, like what do you feel, what is it that you're seeking out? And Shirley goes to me, she says that through this experience, through this journey of, of drag performances, everyone has a diva in them, right?
1: right. Everyone has <laughs> this inner diva and exactly. it's, it's
3: about finding yours. So a few weeks went by and he was asking me, you know, who's your inner diva? And I had no idea, no clue, no clue. <laughs> but he sent me a clip and I opened the clip and I'm watching it and the bell, the light went off, right? It was Bugs Bunny coming out of the rabbit hole dressed as Dragon Elmer Fudd like. I remember that. that, Yes, of course. (laughs) And it's a showstopper, right? Bugs Bunny coming up dressed as this woman stops everything. Everyone just loses their mind because of how how magnetic and powerful it is. Right. And to me that's what feminine power and energy is, is to be able to walk into a room and control it off of that confidence you have. So that's what I was aiming for. I just didn't know it. Uh, as the days got closer to, to my first time doing it, who, uh, I had the assistance of Mitch, who's another good friend of mine. Uh, he's a makeup artist, and he was more than happy to, to, to assist with it. So when I went out shopping, I wasn't shopping for clothes for that night. You know, I was shopping for clothes for me that I'm going to wear, because it's not something I wanted to do just one time. This is something that has been underlying for years. You know, So going out and shopping and recognizing that emotion, that, that thought process in my mind of, I'm not going to buy this just for Saturday night. Right, but I'm going to buy this look. because I'm going to wear it at some point in the future again. And it was eye-opening. And in that store, I, I was in Rainbow, which I didn't buy anything from there because I realized that that's not the feel I'm trying to get. Not, I can't get it at Rainbow. I ended up finding it in New York. And New York and company. <laughs> and it's the, um, I'll have to get the, la- the name okay. of the line for you. But, so I, try, I, I put it on and, and feeling, I felt powerful. I felt sexy. I felt attractive. I felt like I was on top of the world because I was able to, to let it all out. In that chair though, through that transition, for about 30 to 45 minutes of the process of having the makeup applied, I was surrounded by friends and people who love me, and I was scared, and I was nervous. I was afraid of letting my body relax. I felt I had to maintain this, this, this stature because this is who I am, and I was afraid of the people that love me, of them judging me, right. and it was scary as fuck. So through that 30 to 45 minutes of this internal battle that I was having, because I, I couldn't relax, I realized that people do this every day, and people don't do this by choice, but they have to do this because this is who they are. And it put a lot of re- responsibility in my lap of having to follow through with this because I have this choice, and I have a platform that I can show others that it's okay to do this, and you'll be okay, and there's gonna be support, and you'll get the love. You, it's gonna be hard at first, and it's hard at first for a lot of people, and it's unfair because this is the way we are. It's not, we don't wake up in the morning and decide we're going to do this. I've had this in me for years. And I finally worked up the courage to do it because it's not a choice. It's, it's a decision, like a very life-changing decision. After doing it, I realized that gender has no place, you know, aside from medical and scientific purposes, there's no reason for it. It's like, what do we get out of it? Right, right. You no. Know, and it, it totally dropped the whole wall of, uh, misinformation and just just not thinking about it, not even putting forth the effort of what is gender and why is it not important? Because we're not built we're not we're not trained that way. To us it's very rigid and, and it's black and white and it has to be and through that experience I learned it's it's a lie. It's not we don't have it. We don't have to have it. Right. And so when they
2: say, so who is your inner diva, and every, all of us <laughs> have that, I like that. Do you think for you, because I feel like I have, um, I've tapped into feminine energy that mm. I have throughout the years and continue to do so, I've had strong um, female role models in my life, my sister, my mom, uh, that continue to be. Do you think for you, because of your background uh, in military, background in law enforcement, background as, as you know, master Joshua, you had to find yours, um, to go like full on drag to kind of find it. And, and that's how you found it. Or, or how would you say, um, I, I was tired of waiting and this, you did say though, that this was something that you would always, I had always wanted wanted to do and I didn't,
3: I didn't have the courage to do it, uh, until. I woke up and I decided, fuck it, I'm gonna do it. You know, it's when you have an opportunity, when you have an influence over people that are following you, especially on social media, which I I love all of you followers because they they motivate me to continue pushing this envelope so that they can have the freedom for themselves and see that it's okay. You know, when I did uh, when I put the first few pictures up, I had at least half a dozen messages through Instagram thanking me for taking those steps because they couldn't find it within themselves to do it. And that it is possible and that it doesn't make you any less of a person if that's what you desire, if that's who you are. You know, I'm actually going to a group uh, discussion group on Sunday about this, about men who are tired of being in the box. and, And why why it's unnecessary to be in this box. Why can't we just exist? Why can't we just be, you know? And we can, as you're showing. And we can. And we can. can. And you too.
2: Exactly. (laughs) Um, I want to move into um, polyamorous relationships or polyamory as it's known as the word. And in general, uh, can you just give a description for listeners that maybe kind of know what it means
3: but are
2: confused?
3: Uh, So polyamory, you know, that's like the buzzword going on. Polyamory, everyone thinks the definition of polyamory is having more than one partner, right? Right. And that's not polyamory. Polyamory is having more than one partner that you have a deep-seated relationship with. So sex, open relationships that include having sex with other people is not polyamory. Polyamory is life decisions. You know, you're, you're creating a family with these people. You're ingra- in, in, ingraining them into your day-to-day life. You know, it's not just a hookup or a booty call. These are people that you would introduce to all of your friends and all of your family and all of your partners because they're a part of you. And people are throwing the word around like, like it's not a big deal. Right. You know, what a lot of people are doing is, that, is open relationships where they have the okay to have sex with other people. And you know what? Even maintain friendships with the other people. Right. But the relationship with the other partners that you're engaging with on those levels isn't personal. You know, you don't have them at your dinner table with your mom and your dad and your other partner. Right. You know, it's, granted, there are levels to it. But, I was going
2: to say, I've read some levels of it, but at the core, but at the it core is of loving it. relationships, even if it's behind closed doors, it would be, everybody would be aware of what's going on and there would be some level of, uh,
3: like, love between all of the members included or... It doesn't necessarily have to be all of them. Right. Let's say uh, it's you, me, and this microphone. Here. Yeah, right. Hello, microphone. So, <laughs> we'll say... There's a number of combinations that can go on Right. With it. I mean it could be us three in a triad. It could be myself, I'm the singular point of it. But the important part is you two know of each other and you know each other.
2: Right. And, and we res- and everyone's respectful of each person's role in that we've all defined and accepted, correct? Yes. So the book? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, in in the perfect world. Yes. Right, right.
3: But I mean there's a lot of communication that doesn't happen. There's a lot uh, and that's just one example of of many of what polyamory could look like but at the, at the at the core of it it's about the inclusion into that of that person or those people into your life and everything encompassing it because it's it's again it's thrown around as polyamory, yeah, you can love the person, but your relationship isn't so ingrained to where life decisions affect them right you know? okay that makes sense yeah it's like it's like if we're in a poly. Relationship, back to our microphone. Back, to, <laughs> back to, the, to the microphone. And we decide to move, right? right. How this person should be taken into account with that. Right, exactly. Because they're a part of what's going on here. Exactly. But if we get up and we move and this is like, oh, well, sorry. You know, yeah. What? how much love was really invested into that relationship anyway? Exactly,
2: know? exactly. It, there's definitely a respect level that should be implicit. That should be present, yeah. Um, somebody
3: wrote into
2: our show that just kind of wants to know how... Do you navigate a healthy way into some of these polyamorous relationships? Or is there a way? Um it's broad, but this person just wants to gain a little bit of insight on, you know, how others navigate these relationships and how they maintain their sanity <laughs> and respect for all other individuals. So
3: the hard part, the the, the key word there is sanity. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. No, it's as you can imagine, oh, things it, come it's, up. It and is not easy. It, it's people are poly until they're not right they realize that oh shit i'm jealous oh shit i don't want them doing this oh shit i can't handle that you know polyamory i think is a really small percentage of the people that can really love selflessly like that right where back to our example back to the example right (laughs) we're doing our thing right if you want to open your end of the relationship to include other members right which is only fair if that's what i'm doing and you decide to do that from your end right, right. i can't get jealous right because now you're seeking out a relationship somewhere else right is that you sorry that's so me. <laughs> i'll dance for the camera no, no i'll continue sorry, I'll, I'll okay hold on one <laughs> second so yeah, You have to keep in mind, you know, how am I going to feel if my partner decides that they want to pursue relationships beyond me too, right? So it's, that's why I say people are poly until they're not, because you realize that your emotions only go so far as what you're involved in. Once it goes into someone else, then they have to start thinking twice about, well, how do I feel about polyamory? And then is it polyamory or is it just open? Do they just want to go fuck them? And then if they want to go fuck them, why don't they just want to fuck me? You know, it's a whole domino effect of...
2: But given that last example that you gave where, say, myself here Mm -hmm. decides to open it up, um, is it my then responsibility to communicate this new found interest that I have? And would you say that communication is at the core of, you know, the sanity sake of polyamory? of successful polyamorous relationships 100
3: percent. communication is everything you have to talk about it if you don't talk about it you're setting yourself up for failure because if if he finds out or if they find out anyway you know right you're screwed you're screwed why can't you just open it open the discussion open the communication and say listen this is how i feel and let's talk about it and the person is going to say yes or no and then you go with what you got but you have to give the other person the opportunity to say yes or no. If you don't give them that opportunity, you're stealing their consent to what they could have decided on anyway. I
2: understand so much of what you're saying. So much more, we've talked about it on the show many times. This time it really is sinking in a lot more. I hear what you're saying about people you throwing that word around when in fact they're just maybe sleeping around and that's okay And too. there's nothing wrong with that. Or having an open relationship and that's fine too. There's obviously subgroups of it that we sort of tapped into, but in general um, polyamory does make sense because sexuality, as we continue to evolve, you know, a lot of us weren't meant to just necessarily be with one person exclusively and I don't think that's necessarily our human nature for everyone and so it does make sense how it could but we are meant to love and so i think it's um it's it's worthy of looking at and it makes sense and then lastly if it's so hard often for two people to connect and make a loving lasting relationship you know why wouldn't we think that when you layer in more people communi- communication is that much more critical to on a constant basis at least or checking in on a constant basis to make, you know, all because we changed too, even though, you know, that microphone, you and I were a, a trying a thing, sure. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, next week or, t- you know, a year from now, yeah. um, you know, we're, I we're, different, m- yeah. we're different. And so checking in communication is key. So all of that, I just, it, it really does make sense, and thank you for
3: that. No, of course, it's It it's took not me a while easy. to really
2: get it, because and we've had different people on the show and talk about it, and I, I think I was there, but I don't know that I was until really this moment. So.
3: It's, it's not easy, and, and in all honesty, no relationship worth having is. You know, exactly. It starts off, and, and everyone has the honeymoon phase and all that happy horseshit. shit. <laughs> Here, when you talk to people as, you're getting, as you show interest in who they are, put all your cards on the table. Because at some point, it's gonna come out. At some point, you can't hide it anymore. At some point, you can't remove that part of yourself to be with someone anymore. So if we just lay our cards out on the table, this is my situation, this is who I am, and this is what I have to offer, it'll make for a lot less heartache. Or at least if people are taking that time to invest it into you, they know what they're getting themselves into.
2: Exactly. I love that. Um, before we get into our scene here, I want to um, talk a little bit about BDSM. Um, in scrolling a little bit on your website, I noticed there's a practice that you, it's a principle, actually, that you go by when, when creating these scenes. And for people that don't know, um, Master Joshua is available. Uh, you, you have clients, of course, that you see either here in New York or you travel. You've talked, you've given talks around the country and so on and so forth. Um, But you use a system called RAC, R-A-C-K, Risk Aware Consensual Kink. Some of them are obvious, but can you go through this whole principle? And and I know offline you were talking about a separate system that um, S&M
3: people use, but talk about maybe
2: the differences and what RAC is.
3: So one of the principles of what the BDSM community have one of the principles is SSC and RAC. And there's another one called PRIC. But uh, PRIC and RAC are very similar. SSC is safe, sane, and consensual. That's the very basic entry level. I think I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that makes sense, right? Yeah. Safe, sane, and
2: consensual. Consensual, yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. Make sure everything that you're practicing, practicing is safe, You know that the equipment is safe, that the things that you're going to be doing to the person is safe. Making sure it's not crazy like we're not going to do this on the side of a building or, or <laughs> right it, anything that's going to risk someone's your, health concerns yeah, perhaps life or limb right yeah. uh and consensual is this is what we're going to be doing and I'm, I'm going to explain to you exactly what we're doing so well, just
2: to give someone a little bit of example of the the safe part um when you and i did and to talk a little bit more about the fire play that you mm-hmm. performed on me i was lying on a On a massage table, you use these flame retardants that you described. Often they look like tampons, (laughs) kind (laughs) of. That you dip them into rubbing alcohol. Rubbing alcohol, and the whole procedure is um, you putting this flame across my body, which is really igniting. Not, uh, it's not burning me, but. Could that be not safe for somebody that maybe is has high blood pressure or? And that's where rack comes in. (laughs) Okay. All right. Good. All right. Good. Yeah. No. No.
3: Because like fire is not safe. You know, you can spill that shit on someone and it it it, could get if it can make it if it goes south, it goes south really quick. Right. That's not safe. Yes. So anything beyond what could be considered safe, where you can get up and walk away, right. If something goes wrong, this is not it. So rack is risk aware consensual kink and. The idea of risk-aware
2: consensual kink. Got yes. Okay. So
3: the idea of that is you're aware of the risk. We're going to lay you on the table. I'm going to put this fire on you. You've and been told I'm, in I've, advance. You, and you've been told in advance that you're going to be lit on fire with this using this equipment. Now you've been informed. and You've been well informed of what's going to happen. Potential the, risk
2: of. What,
3: yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the risk-aware consensual kink is, the consensual kink about it is. You have been cov- you've been told exactly what's going to happen, the risks that are associated with it, and there, there aren't going to be any surprises of what could go wrong. Like, you've been told everything. Right. And it's not like like if I said, I'm going to flog you, right, and you come up. Now, a general understanding, of you, and you're giving consent to flogging, right? But yes. your idea of flogging would be something like that, right? Right. Now, if I were to come out with this big-ass baseball bat and fucking club <laughs> you with it, right? You cons- well, or, or a big-ass flogger that weighs 30 pounds, right? And I dislocate your shoulder. Yeah. You consented to being flogged, yes. And I could be an asshole and say, well, you consented to it, but you weren't informed of the risk right. of what I was going to be using and what, it could be done and what could be done to you. So when you're discussing, when you're negotiating these types of play, uh, SSC or, or RAC, if you're new at this, stay with SSC, something very entry-level something that you can get up and walk away from because you are well informed of what the safety is. When it comes to t- RAC, make sure that you have a clear understanding of the person you're engaging with. Well,
2: right, they don't have that in there, but I'm sure it's within one of the, the letters in the acronym, but TRUST is, like, I've worked with you before, I know your background, I certainly trust you. Um, I'm sure TRUST is sort of built into RAC somewhere that you wouldn't just do, get flogged. Yeah. I know you're, you know, I know what, y- you, you know what you're doing. So, Well, yeah.
3: it, when it comes to trust and when it comes to rack and SSC and anything to do with this is we're, we're accountable for our own selves, right? So I wouldn't play with someone that I haven't seen play before or that I haven't taken the time to get to know or get to know me. Right. And also keep in mind, sometimes things do go wrong. Right. And it could be a number of reasons why. So trust has to be built trust has to be earned that's Take,
2: the risk and the awareness factor that's, that's the risk right. and
3: awareness because i've put my homework into you and i trust you and everything you're telling me has you you've gained my trust 100 percent up until this point so i'm going to come on here understanding what you've told me understanding what we're going to do and trusting that you're not going to let anything go wrong
2: now there's a couple words you use um that are safe words yellow and red yellow means that you're enjoying it but you're you're getting close to your limit. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, say, if I was the person getting flogged, I would yell out the word yellow, correct? And then the other one is red, which red means, as you can imagine, stop, check in and do something else. Um, it, I could f- provide feedback and a suggestion um, about the scene, and you might decide to do another course of action to kind of redirect. Um, those are important words, I guess, right? That yeah. That you want to always have your your students know correct
3: absolutely safety words are paramount uh yellow like you said yellow is if i'm flogging you, or if we're playing and you get to a point where you're almost at your threshold right you can say yellow and i would come and check in or if something was falling asleep or you were uncomfortable and you needed to change position you needed to get my attention to communicate something to me you would say yellow great great now red red can be a few different things some people use it to end scenes like okay i'm done uh i use it in a in a in an emergency situation, like red means stop because something's wrong. If you're done with the scene, I would expect you to tell me, "Okay, I think we're done with the scene." Red is a safe word, not an, an like an end word. It's not going to end the scene for me. It's it's safety's an issue. Red, I need you to come and help me immediately. Right. You know. So if Definitely. you say red to end the scene because you're done being flogged, you can you can set off a trigger for the tops in some cases because we're conditioned to use red as an emergency word, as a safe word, not a word to end the scene.
2: Got it, you right, know, and that could, even though you didn't mean that, that already, uh, like you said, set that you know, yeah, signal, yeah. and now you're potentially out of the scene, and...
3: Yeah, well, it, it, it can disrupt a lot of things, so make sure safety words are used for safety purposes, Right. and plain English and communication that you set up with the top or the dom you can use that to say, okay, I think we're done with the scene. You know, right. don't, don't use them interchangeably. Now, to go back to yellow and play, right? So let's say we get to a threshold, right? But yellow is gonna make me stop and come and check in on you, right? right? So something I devised was, if we get to your threshold and you wanna maintain it, but you don't wanna stop to communicate, you would say, thank you, sir. Okay. And I will maintain it at that pace. Because oh, you okay. don't have to break that that headspace of, or the, rhythm, of the rhythm, the yeah. rhythm, right? So okay. a thank you, sir, would be we can hold it right here, right, and not go any higher, but we don't have to go any lower.
2: Yellow would be then maybe a little bit more. You need a little clarification, or you want to be checked in, correct? Red, as we just stated, could actually end the scene Ends completely. The scene, yeah. um, it reminds me of acting when you're doing. Uh, scene in acting class, you go, know, and scene. If anyone who's ever taken acting, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that signifies we're done with the scene, y'all. You, like you can now <laughs> critique us and so on and so forth, so it cracks me up. A um, couple things that I was also extracting um, before we get into our scene um, is essentially a lot of this, um, why people would explore, I know why I've explored BDSM scenes, is the the ability of control and letting go of it. Um, can you talk a little bit about that On how so many of us, not just in our own lives, but sexually we have so much control or rigid- rigidity and the idea of like letting go of that. Is that sort of a, an idea of why people would want to explore some of these scenes?
3: A hundred, uh, yeah, ab- 100%. Uh, we, we come into these physical engagements with trauma with history with experiences with a lot of things that won't that don't immediately allow us to trust the person I mean I can love you right and still have fear that doesn't trust me with certain things to communicate to you so like we'll have relationships where people have been in together for 15 years but the person doesn't trust their partner to tell them about their fetishes right so that's it's a problem, like, and that's a problem, right?
2: Right. So because it's going to come out at some point, like,
3: or you're going to die with it inside, and that shit doesn't feel good. It's, no, it's, unhealthy. It's unhealthy, very unhealthy. So it's. Well, I just, I just got a blank. <laughs> just the
2: ability of control. Oh, and letting the control. Go of it. The
3: control. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's put ourselves in that environment. Now we're in in the bedroom or where, wherever we're going to play, and we want things from our partner. Now I have to have faith in you like we're going to do shortly. I have to have faith in your abilities to hear me and to not lose sight of what's going on. That if you're going to top me, if you're going to put something in me, if you're going to put something on me, that I'm going to experience it and I'm going to believe and trust you enough to take my word of keep going or I need you to stop or I'm not enjoying this. To respect my my words. Right. So it's it's very it's very present all the time it it should be you know sometimes it's not and sometimes you have partners that are not going to listen to what you're saying and they're going to pressure you to keep on doing what you don't want to do right and those are the scenarios That's the we want to avoid of,
2: right of what you're trying to Trying to get out of this. Is yeah. Releasing yeah. and... We
3: want to find people we can share this with. We, we don't want to find people where we have to... We get on the cross, but we're afraid of what's going on behind us because we don't trust a person. And right. it doesn't allow us to sink into that complete handing over of ourselves.
2: That makes sense. That makes sense. And that's when, um, when you do release, that's when the magic happens. That's when the magic and happens.
3: When you don't have to... F- when, when you're the passenger in your own car and you trust the other person driving. It's like, you can take that nap when you're driving down to Florida now. <laughs>
2: exactly. And just to list some of the things that um, Master Joshua um, uh, specialties are, we have impact, spanking, flogging, canning. caning, caning. 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 Canning. Oh, caning. Okay, got it. Slapping, et cetera. Uh, Fireplay, which I've done. Discipline and humiliation. Uh, behavioral correction. Uh, confinement. Uh, corporate punishment, cuffs, leather workshop, electro-stimulation, I've done a little bit of that, foot torture, gags, interrogation, then there's Japanese rope bondage, joint locks. What's joint locks?
3: So I've done mixed martial arts for a number of years. Oh, nice, yes. So like wrist locks or taking the, the person down to the ground and maintaining the control from the top down.
2: We'll have to talk about mixed martial arts because I'm trying to get into that too, so... Maybe you can give me some, yeah. Um, martial arts discipline, obviously leather, mummification. I've tried a little bit of that, not my favorite. Needle <laughs> piercing, nipple torture, pet training, predicament bondage.
3: What's so predicament bondage, I did that to my boy once. And what I did was I, tied, I laid him on the ground, right? I tied his cock and balls up into a, an eyelet on the ceiling and I ran it to an anchor point on the wall. And then I ran it behind another pole, wow. and I ran it around his chest. So he had to hold himself at 45 degrees, and if he went either direction, the pulley system was going to yank up on his cock and balls. Therein so lies the predicament. Therein lies the predicament. <laughs> can I relax, or right. can I sit up? And the rope wasn't high enough for him to sit completely up. Like It okay. wasn't long enough for him to sit completely up. So the furthest he was going to go was at 45 degrees. Interesting.
2: <laughs> interesting. Uh, we have sissification. Suspension, which I like a lot. Temperature play, tickle torture, uh, and trampling, just to name a few. Wow, that's a whole um, great laundry list of, of <laughs> there's, specialties. There's a lot. I mean,
3: and, and um, there's more. You know, there's there's yeah. things that we have in our mind. Like a very, 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 very popular one that everyone has that no one talks about is water sports. Right. right? right. Now, I don't offer that professionally, but that's something else that I enjoy. Right. Know? Yeah, so exactly. There's things that, that you... you you have you enjoy as a top or bottom or as a down or sub so top and bottom we can get into that whole discussion at another time yes Uh, but you can enjoy it as both you don't have to be one or the other you know there's nothing saying you can't enjoy both sides of the slash.
2: I love it. I love it. Master Joshua, always a pleasure. This has been awesome. People can follow you. Uh, you can go to masterjoshua.com or on
3: Instagram. Instagram and Facebook or Instagram and FetLife is <laughs> is uh, Master Joshua NYC. On Facebook, it's Master Joshua uh, and uh, Twitter. Twitter is Master Joshua NYC as well.
2: Perfect, perfect. And for Patreon members, you're going to see a scene that we're going to do film right here, actually. Yes, I'm excited. Um, I hope I'm excited. All. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. And once again, thanks, Mr. Joshua. And follow us at Text Podcast on Instagram. And we will see you soon.
3: Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fence's free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free to play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sports books. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.